This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. And I want to start off this radio show by saying thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the guys at America's Web Radio who bring the truth about the Jewish state to the grassroots of the United States. The truth about this country, about Israel, as it is number one in the world in technology, agriculture, and medicine, and the vast amounts of humanitarian work that the Jewish people do around the world. Uh, Thank you to the guys at America's Web Radio. Thank you. I can't say it enough. Insight to Israel is in the top 20% out of 26,000 radio shows in the United States. And uh, we are honored, honored to bring this truth uh, every week to the American people. Um, I also want to say thank you to everyone who shares, who likes, who comments, who even observes and looks at our social media as we travel this country uh, almost daily and show what the Jewish people have done in 68 years. Happy birthday to the Jewish state uh, three weeks ago. 68 years old and what this country has done, what the people have done, how they've labored uh, and... uh, to, to build a country that no one, no one can stop, that, that no one has ever done, no people group in the history of mankind has ever done in such a short time. And uh, the world tries to stop it, and they can't. And that's the beautiful thing about bringing this truth to the United States and around the world uh, about the Jewish state. I also want to say thank you to everyone who is a participator and not a spectator in sending... Uh, chocolates for heroes, Hershey's chocolate bars with notes on them to the, to the Israeli soldiers. Folks, you can never imagine uh, these young people, as soon as they come out of the womb, as soon as their, their ima, their mother gives birth to them, that mother looks at her son and her daughter and says that eventually one day my, my children are going to have to defend this country. And uh, many times it seems as though in the media and through boycotts, and uh, with the growth of Islam, that, that uh, the, the odds are overwhelming. But the strength of this military, the unity in this military, and among the people here in defending this country, is truly amazing. And yet, when they hear all of the hatred uh, that comes from around the world, to get a note on a chocolate bar, uh, you can't imagine, folks, how it, it boosts the, the morale and the spirit of a soldier as I travel this country and I go into places down by the Gaza and into cities like Hebron where 800 Jews are surrounded by 100,000 Muslims and they're attacked just about every day to get a note on a chocolate bar. Folks, I want to say thank you. You can't imagine what it does to, to, uh, to the morale of a soldier. And so I want to say thank you to everyone who sends, and I want you to please get your your church, your synagogue, your civic group, your friends and your family involved in Chocolates for Heroes, sending a a Hershey's chocolate bar uh, with a simple note on it. We love you, we pray for you, and we stand with you as you defend freedom every day. So uh, thank you for that. We we have some great things coming up, folks, uh, on June the 29th. Uh, July, this, actually, July the 4th uh, is the 40th anniversary at the raid in Entebbe, Entebbe, Uganda, in 1976. Uh, a, a, a Air France 
airline was hijacked by a Muslim and by a Nazi German. And uh, they were taken to Entebbe, Uganda, Uganda. And the Israeli Defense Force flew, I think it was three C-130s, am I correct, Natsan? Mm -hmm. Three C-130s uh, at all, against all odds, against all odds, headed up by Yonatan Netanyahu, who was the brother of Benjamin Netanyahu. And unfortunately, Yonatan Yoni died uh, in that rescue attempt. But all of the... Um, all of the passengers on that plane, the Jewish passengers, were saved but one, uh, an elderly lady who happened to be in a hospital in Uganda. But um, it was an amazing, amazing rescue. And we're actually on June 29th. We're going to honor uh, several speakers uh, that were actually in that event. And we want you to pay attention on the social media and watch this amazing event as we hear from these folks and they tell their story. And uh, we're going to honor them with, uh, with what we call at Insight to Israel a cup of truth, which is a simple coffee mug with the Insight to Israel Chocolates for Heroes logos on it. And uh, we're going to say thank you to them for their bravery uh, during that time. So pay attention to the social media, especially on June 29th, as we bring you this great, great event in honoring these folks that were uh, civilians and soldiers in the raid of Entebbe. Now it's time to get down to business, and I want to say uh, thank you, and forgive me, ma'am, you're going to have to help me say your full name. Nitsana Darshan Leitner. Nitsana Darshan Leitner. Nitsana, I want to say thank you for being on Inside to Israel. Yeah, my pleasure. I appreciate thank it, Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Nitsana, I, uh, I heard about you in the radio, in Israeli radio. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, since my Hebrew is a little shabby, because mm -hmm. all my friends speak English to me, right. uh, a friend of mine actually passed your information on. That was happened to Americans, by the way. They come to Israel, they know one word of Hebrew because they all talk to them in English. <laughs> I know a few words. It's just hard to put the yeah. words together in between. Nitsana or Nitsana? Nitsana. Nitsana. Nitsana, you are an attorney here in Ramadan. Yeah. And uh, you're, uh, you have a very special case that you're working on. You, in fact, you've done a lot in the past in regards to the same scenario. Something, actually, this country as a whole uh, has been very near and dear to my heart even before I came here. And, uh, but one of the things that I've emphasized uh, in my social media and on my radio show is... Islamic terror, and the funding that comes from around the world to support this, to undergird it. And it doesn't necessarily come from Muslim countries, but it comes from the EU, from the United States. Uh, and you have a case right now that you're working on where you're suing the Palestinian Authority. Uh, can, can you tell us kind of briefly a little bit about that? Right. So uh, I founded uh, 15 years ago an organization called Shurat Adin Israel Law Center. It's a civil rights organization based right here in our offices near Tel Aviv, where we uh, fight Israel enemies in the court. We utilize the court system to go uh, in the offense against Israel's enemies. And the first and foremost are the terrorists, their financial patrons, and whoever adding and abetting them. We are filing lawsuits against Hamas, Islamic Jihad, PLO, Hezbollah, Palestine Authority, Iran, Syria, North Korea, banks that provide financial services to terror organizations, 
fighting terrorism in court and thank God have been winning as well. Wow. So far we collected, we, we got over $2 million uh, in judgments. We put a lien on $600 million in terror assets and we actually collected. Wow. We got more than $200 million that went to the hands of those who deserve it most, the terror victims. Wow. Wow. Our recent victory was the case against the Palestinian Authority, which we held in the federal court in New York. It was filed in 2004, many, many years ago. It represents 10 families that lost their loved ones in the most heinous terror attacks in Israel during the first years of the Intifada. And uh, the common uh, uh, factor of this case is that it was all done by employees of the Palestinian Authority and officials of the PLO, Palestinian policemen, Palestinian security guard, official of 417th, policemen from PLO. So we realized, as we all knew back then in Israel, that the Palestinian Authority is standing behind the Intifada, is the one who's pushing and encouraging Palestinians to carry out attacks against Israelis, and we wanted to bring it to the entire world. Our way to do it was to bring a lawsuit against the Palestinian Authority and the PLO in a court in the United States. Last year, the a case went to trial. It was before a jury, 12 residents of New York. Um, wow. And the Palestinian Authority had a defense. They claimed that indeed these third attacks were done by our employees, but these were wrong employees. They did the attack <laughs> after work hours. They were not authorized to carry out attacks. It wasn't our policy to kill Israelis or to blow up buses in Israel. Wow. But when the trial opened, they found it hard to explain the jury why, until today, they keep paying the salaries of the terrorists that got convicted by the Israeli courts and sitting in the Israeli jail. They pay them their paycheck on a monthly basis. They keep promoting them in rank every two years. Wow. They call town squares in the name of the terrorists. They pay money to the families of the suicide bombers. They call town squares on the name of the suicide bombers. This is not rogue employees. Right. This is not when your policy is not to kill Jews. So there was no surprise there that when the jury went to deliberation, they came back with a judgment against the Palestinian Authority for $655 million. Wow. Wow. How long did that take to deliberate? A day and a half. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Look, that's, you know, there's so much, Natsana, uh, that I knew before I came here to this country and a lot of research that I did. But now that I've seen it, you know, a lot of Israelis said, Michael, why don't you go back to the, why aren't you in the U.S. talking about what's happening here? Well, the only way to really truly talk about what's happening here is if to be here. And what I've seen, what I've seen with my eyes, being with your soldiers, yeah. being in places like Hebron. you got a soldier in jail right now. You know, that's a little controversial. But I stand behind that soldier. They should put a medal around his neck. People would disagree with me. And I don't normally get involved in domestic issues. But there are American soldiers right now that are in jail. Right. For the same very reason. Because they didn't do it according to the standard. My point in saying all that is, it's mind-numbing. It is mind-numbing. 
what I've seen out of the Palestinian Authority and to think that there are all these entities funding them that are from the outside. Let me ask you, uh, before we continue, first of all, uh, you, you've got an amazing family. I'm sitting in your office, looking at your office. Great view of Tel Aviv and of Ramadan. Uh, how long have you been an attorney? Um, perhaps seven, 17 years. 17 yeah. years? And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure with now, with like everything that you do, it takes up a lot of your time. Yeah. Uh, what, is there a personal stake that you have? That, was there a family member or something that was... It's a question that uh, I've been kept asked, but uh, no, I did not uh, experience any, uh, thank God, any injury or death of a terror victims in my family. But living in Israel, there is nobody who doesn't know a terror victims, right. nobody who wasn't like five minutes away from a terror attack or missed by a second uh, a bus that blew up right before he went on the bus stop. So, um, living in this country when, uh, in the year of 2000, when the Intifada broke out, led us to believe that there is another way, additional way to fight terrorism, which the government cannot do, or the military cannot do, which is going after the funding of the terror organizations, going after the infrastructure of the terrorists, because money is the oxygen to the terrorism. If you stop the flow of the money, you can stop the flow of the terrorism. This organization is like a business, like corporation. Yes, they it's amazing. They can't mention without money. It's amazing. Look, uh, you know, on, on a bigger scale, Daesh, ISIS, right. made billions last year. Right. Billions. And the reason that their activity is less effective this year is because they cut down the salaries of their military in 75%. And this is as a result of NATO forces and the United States bombing all their oil fields, cutting their source of funding, which led them without so much money to give their soldiers to keep doing the fight. The, uh, one of the major tools of fighting terrorism is blocking their funding, is actually bankrupting them. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, when, you, uh, when you took this on, uh, I'm sure that you knew it would be a daunting task. Well, we did not. We uh, <laughs> look. We were young lawyers. We just finished. Can, I, can I ask your age? Yes, uh, my age. Um, no one can see you, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's leave. I'm 45, so you can't okay, be. Okay, so a little bit younger than you. Okay, not so much. Yeah, and you know, God yeah. bless you. I, I see that you have like five children. Yeah, six. That's six. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thank and you God. do what you do. Yeah. So I'm sure that somewhere in those children, yeah. they're looking at the Ema mom, and they're, yes. they're like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna jump on board this bandwagon when we get older." I, I hope so. <laughs> so it's very tough on my kids. I travel a lot. I stay away from them for very long hours and very long days, and. Um, and yet, they understand what their mother is doing, so uh, I think it's a little bit easier, although they're very, very young. And God, I want to say God bless your husband. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's like, it's kind of like... He's supportive, absolutely. Being, yeah. uh, being in the military. Without him, yes. So, so um, 
Yeah, so we were young lawyers. We just finished law school. We decided that um, we are going to try to bring the organizations to court. After all, it was a mission impossible. How can you bring a organization, a lawless regime, into a court of law and impose uh, a measure of justice on them? Those organizations who ignore life, who ignore human rights, who ignore anything, will not respect the law. Yeah. So we just took several cases, filed them in Israel and the United States using fresh new laws uh, legislated in the United States at the time. And in two years, we got judgments in our favors. We actually won cases. Wow. We got judgments against Iran for uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. We got decisions against the Palestinian Authority. Uh, which allege uh, that they cannot be brought to court because they have a status of a state and they have sovereign immunity. So we were able to uh, brush these arguments uh, in court. And uh, we put a lien on um, 64 million shekels of the money that Israel collects to the Palestinians to ensure uh, paying of a judgment. And then we got floated with phone calls of terror victims that wanted to bring their case in court, that wow. wanted us to represent them, they wanted to fight back. Wow. So we established Rotadin, Israel Law Center, a civil rights organization, non-for-profit, that will raise all the expenses on these cases and file them in the courts. You know, were you shocked? It's because the way I picture this is, I picture, you know, like you said, young lawyers, you're like, you know, your mouth is foaming, and you see something that needs to be done. You know, you take all that, that book knowledge and now you have to put it into practice. Uh, when you started to, I just picture like, you know, you pulling the cover back on a, on, a, on, a, on a hole. Were you shocked or how shocked were you if you were at how many, whether it's an NGO or governments that were actually involved in the depth of the funding? Uh, because I'm, I'm, like I said, you know, I'm just an average guy, but I, I look at what they say in the media. Right. What, what, what was it like for you when you when you started like doing research? Listen, um, we did the research, but we also got information from security services around the world, from democratic states that wanted to find the organizations uh, and weren't able to. And we realized that um, the non-government, you know, Iran, Syria, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, are giving money, shelter, weapon, ammunition, uh, safe haven to the terrorists, training. Uh, and this is what the entire world knew. What the world did not know, that how these countries deliver the money to the terror organizations. Because Iran sits in one place, Hamas, works in Gaza, Hezbollah works in Lebanon, how they transfer the money. And this is where the bank, banks enter the picture. And in order to break this pipeline, in order to obstruct this wave of funding, you had to go after the banks. And that was a huge success because our lawsuits against banks sent a shockwave through the international banking system. <laughs> And no bank agreed to provide financial services to a terror organization anymore or to open account for an Islamic charity that identified the terror organizations. But 
Most importantly, no bank agreed to operate in terror zones like South Lebanon, like Gaza. There is no um, banking system in Gaza. This is why the Zimu is smuggling money into Gaza with suitcases in cash through the tunnels. Wow. And that caused Hamas in Gaza a great deal of harm because they need to bring hundreds of millions of dollars into the Gaza Strip. And we all saw in the war in Gaza two years ago how they used the money. They give it to their population. You know, the reason the population in Gaza let Hamas use them as human shields let them climb on the top of the roofs, warn the IDF not to shoot missiles towards the buildings, or the reason the population in Gaza let Hamas shoot missiles and, and fire ammunition towards Israel, utilizing the hospitals in Gaza, the kindergartens, the backyards, is because Hamas provides the population in Gaza with all services they need from cradle to grave for free. I'm glad that you said that because I, I, I really wish this were on video. And I understand we're doing it audio. I get it. Because I want people, I wish people could see my face at the anger, yeah. the, at the righteous indignation because I'm tired of hearing about the poor people in the Gaza. Because for 12 years since Yasser Arafat and Bill Clinton and Rabin, who I openly say was a traitor to his people, sold them out, and I'm sure that old man was getting money in his bank account. Of course, of course. Let me, let me I'm, I, just, I get on a rant sometimes, okay. but this is going in a direction. <laughs> because little Ahmad, after school, after learning how to kill Jews in books, school books provided by the UN, his mother was sending him down into the tunnels to dig for 12 years. 12 years! I, I can't, like, and then I hear about the poor Palestinians. I'm thankful that you used the exact wording that you did because you're absolutely correct. And some people, uh, the sad part is, I get emails from Christians, and I'm doing that in quotations, that say, Michael, you're so hard on the Muslims. You know, you should have compassion for them. And you know what? There's a place in me that I do. But when I read the Koran and I look at what they're doing in the world, it makes it very hard. Mm -hmm. And there were times when my mother would email me before she visited here. And she loves this country. She's very Zionist. She has an Israeli flag in the front yard in a small town in West Virginia. And she said, she would send me emails and say, Michael, are you sure you're not getting hard or bitter? I'm looking at your post and I say, Mom, come here and see what these people go through. Experience it. So when she came here, one of my Israeli friends actually flew her over here, paid for a ticket. And we took her around the country and let her spend time with the soldiers. We talked in the end. She goes, Michael, now I understand. Right. Now I understand. So I appreciate you using the language that you did because... These people are not victims. They voted Hamas in. Supposedly. I don't know how democratic it was. Yeah, well, you know, um, there is part of them that is really uh, under tremendous pressure from Hamas. Right. And they would not like Hamas controlling the Gaza Strip. In the end of the day, Hamas destroys the Strip, destroys the life of these people. And they want nothing else but to Hamas to disappear. Um... However, they don't do anything about it. 
and that is the problem. Can, can I ask you a question on this point? Sure. I've never had to fight for anything really in my life as an American. What do I know? I'm a stupid American. Until I saw what happens here, I realized that my life in the United States, I'm gonna, you, unless you're an American and grew up there and then see what happens here, my life's a joke. What you fight for every day, every single day. So reading in history, if people want liberty and freedom, to sit around and complain and for everyone else outside of that to make excuses and say, oh, but they're oppressed and blah, blah, blah. First of all, you get what you ask for. But second of all, if they really want freedom, they have every ability, if they're willing to risk their life for, for, a, for the conviction of the principle of freedom, they can overcome a loss, I think. Most likely, we never got, say, went into the uh, situation uh, in Gaza and trying to find a solution. But obviously, with the, uh, the uh, current situation, the current governance in Gaza, you cannot fix any situation there. Right. And, uh, and, and in fact, Hamas was using this money to, um, to uh, build the tunnels instead of taking care of his people. He just used the money to build this underground, huge, modern tunnels. Um, they use it for ammunition to smuggle uh, missiles into uh, the gas strip, and they use it to support their prisoners who are sitting in the Israeli jail. They pay salaries to their militaries. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that going to the infrastructure of the military in Gaza. And this is being used in dollars, in actual yes. dollars. Yes, <laughs> it's being used They're in dollars. Sometimes it changed to shekels due to the help of the Israeli government who comes and changed the bills to shekels. But when you smuggle the money in, it literally comes in dollars. Let me ask you, uh, with regard to the Gazan terrorism, we're going to expand into other areas, of course, but uh, how much, first of all, I know that you guys ship, which boggles my mind, all these goods into the Gaza, concrete and all these things, and the money that you give. I, why, I, my question is, how much of this uh, of these decisions do you believe that, and again, I don't talk about domestic issues. Those are for you to solve as Israelis. Uh, my job is just to talk about the, your greatness and what you fight for. But, but with that being said, how much do you believe that your country gives, your government gives to the Gaza is possibly one of two things, is, is, is appeasement, trying to appease the world and world pressure. Look, Israel is and, and in a... Because I hear all this stuff, I don't mean to interrupt you, I hear all this stuff about, you know, we're the most compassionate military, and I appreciate those things, but there comes a time when you've got to say enough. You've got to stop kissing the backside. Uh, I don't know if you can in the current situation, I'll tell you why. Uh, Israel finds itself in a very ironic situation where despite of the fact that they withdrew from Gaza 10 years ago, right, seven in 2006, um, the world still sees Israel as an occupier of Gaza. And as such, they put on them the pressure of providing to the people in Gaza. And therefore, Israel, whether it like it or not, has to provide food, merchandise, cement, electricity, cars, water, gas to the population in Gaza. Otherwise, 
it will be an humanitarian crisis. And you may ask yourself, but Gaza borders with Egypt as well, not only with Israel. How come the Egyptians don't take care of it? <laughs> I don't expect much out of them. And the answer is that the leaders of Egypt decided not to. And as opposed to Israel, they don't take the pressure from the entire world. They don't, they don't really care what the European Union thinks, or even, to a certain extent, the United States. Israel does. The other uh, um, difference is that Israel has um, a very active Supreme Court, High Court of Justice, that will not let uh, the Israeli government simply drop the Palestinians in Gaza and create a humanitarian crisis. So even though sometimes the military in Israel decide that they are not going to provide Hamas... Hold, hold that thought. Hold that thought. We're going to be right back. Please hold that thought. It's very important. This is Michael Gunnett with Insight to Israel and Chocolate Rears. We'll be right with you. America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's Web Radio. Since the first squabble between Cain and Abel, two biblical brothers, there's been tension which leads to fighting. It's a cruel contest of the wills, usually produced by pride. But most fighting brings only further frustration. The first known gladiatorial contest took place in Rome in 264 B.C., featuring three pairs of armed fighters. The last historical clash was supposedly when Constantine abolished the gladiator shows in A.D. 325. However, fighting among families, nations, employers, and persons has never ceased. The Bible tells us to bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do we do this? No. Must we do this? Yes. Our lack of love and our fear of failure leads us to fight for our rights. But the truth is that we have to surrender our rights to Christ, who gave his life to replace our strife. This is John Bryan bringing you today's key word. Will not allow, that will not allow the Israeli government to, to just drop the humanitarian aid after 10 years yeah. uh, to, to the Gaza. Can, go ahead. Right. So there, there are a lot of instances where the military does not want to, surprise, to provide the, uh, the Gaza Strip with cement, for instance, because they know where they will go, right? On the other hand, Gaza is totally blown up, destroyed. You need to renovate the places, you need to build it up uh, from scratch, and there is a dilemma. What to do? Should you allow the cement to come in or not? And most of the time, the Supreme Court will stand to the side of the civilians in Gaza, although they have no human rights, you know, they're not citizens of Israel, they don't have, according to our law, a, a human rights, but the Supreme Court grants them these rights, and they said, yes, they should be provided with anything they need, in order to uh, maintain their livelihood. And uh, and this is the problem. Now, if you don't mind me, uh, to make a point here, I've read an article where when this concrete is shipped in, that when it's given to the people, they're turning around and selling it for dollars and making money Absolutely. off it. Absolutely. <laughs> or, or 
and grabs it. You cannot resist the Hamas militants in Gaza. So they take, they take 75% of the cement to their own military needs, now, which is rebuilding the tunnels. So, wow, as you know, this is, this is complicated, but it's not, because this is kind of black and white. Muslims, this is not about killing Israelis. This is about killing Jews, plain and simple. I have, to, I have this thing where I do uh, a headline, what the headline should really read, and I take something from J-Post, and when they say Israeli, I cross out the word. I have a, a little app. I cross out the word Israeli and put Jew or Jewish or Jewish Israeli. And then when they use the word Palestinian, I cross that out and put Muslim. Okay. Because uh, that's what it should really say. Because this is not about the... In the, end, in the end of the day, it's a religious war. And a governmental war and an economic war and a religious war and all these things. Yeah, but the fight between the Jews to the Palestinians is based on the religions. They don't want us here. We don't want them there. Can't. So let me ask you, what I can't understand is, first of all, are these Supreme Court judges, are they all leftists? Uh, the majority <laughs> of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's an open question, I know. But So with that, I mean, obviously these judges... See the billions that are poured into the Gaza. Yeah. Why, why don't why don't they just? Is it, does it make sense? Wouldn't it make sense just to because say? Because otherwise, there will there will really be a humanitarian crisis. But isn't there Gaza. one now? And then what's that? Isn't there one now? No, there isn't. With, of course, there is. With isn't. all the goods, there isn't. So there are ton of food, ton of merchandise, ton of produce. Going into the Gaza Strip, there are tons of trucks going every day wow. to Ares Crossing. I've been down there, yeah, but down right? there. and entering the, the Strip and provide to the to the yeah, population there. There are so many charities functioning in Gaza, funded by USAID or by the State Department or by European Union. Uh, providing to the population. So, no, the least you can say about the population in Gaza is that they are under So, crisis. even with all of the funding, if Israel cut off what it did, what it does, I mean, 80% of the electric into the Gaza comes from Ascalon. Right. And when I think about the prices that your people pay... Yes. <laughs> yes. We pay, the Israeli people pay for the Palestinian electricity bill. Right? And they're behind even on the 20% yes. in millions of shekels. Yes, they are. That's amazing. So, uh, so back to the topic at hand. Look, this is important information for Americans to know where their tax dollars are going, and uh, it's it's not fully what I focus on, but it's a large part of it because it enrages me as an American to know the hypocrisy of the government of both parties that sign off on the funding, and yet get up on these stages at these. Kufi, Christians United for Israel, and APAC, and talk about how much they love Israel. Democrats and Republicans. And talk about all the tears running down their face as they talk about their love for the Jewish state. And yet, at the same time, they're funding Islamic terror. It's well, um, I don't know how much is the Democratic or the Republican. I know it's basically the State Department. And uh, we took some actions to prevent the State Department from keep funding the uh, terror groups in Gaza or the West Bank by uh, filing an injunction against them. 
we uh, filed a lawsuit against the State Department, against the USAID, not to let the money go to the Palestinian Authority without checking, without scrutinizing, without <laughs> making sure, according to the law, according to U.S. law, right. that the money is not diverted to terrorism. Because we know that the Palestinian Authority pays the terrorists who are sitting in the Israeli jail until today. We know they provide with the families of the suicide bombers. We know that they pay salaries of the Hamas officials in Gaza. We know they keep funding the PLO, who is built from designated organizations like PHLP. Like uh, they, we know that they support Islamic Jihad and Hamas in certain point. So all these things are prohibited according to the U.S. law, according to the anti-terrorism law, according to the federal law. We filed an injunction. Unfortunately, we had no standing. The case was dismissed, but our fight is really to block this funding as the much the same way we went after the State Department by not um, to block releasing the $100 billion uh, to Iran according to the nuclear agreement. Once again, we came and said this money is going to be diverted to the terror organizations. Iran never said that they are going to stop funding Hezbollah, Hamas, and others. The opposite. They said clear and loud that we'll continue supporting these organizations, they're supporting their struggle against Israel, and therefore this money will wind up in the hands of the terrorists. We also said that we have so many terror victims holding judgments against Iran, which were not paid, that these $100 billion are the last resort for them to get paid, and we asked to block this transfer. Wow. Again, had no standing, and the case was dismissed, but our struggle is continuing. Let me ask you, in doing your research, you know, uh, Sunni, I say this a lot in the social media, it's so true, Sunni and Shia, we the, the the general media and the government say, oh, Muslims are killing Muslims. These are right. Sunni killing Shia for power. It's a power struggle. Mm -hmm. But in your research, have you found that in spite of that power struggle, uh, the one general commonality that they all have uh, is Israel and the destruction of Israel? And have you seen that connection between Sunni and Shia, the, the terrorist groups? Yeah, let me tell you a story. You know, in 1992, Prime Minister Rabin decided to deport all the leaders of the Hamas. 400 leaders he took, he loaded them on buses, he said, I'm going to get rid of them, I cannot have them boil my country, we're going to send them away. <laughs> Where to? No country agreed to accept them. So they decided to leave them in South Lebanon, where the refugee camps there. When the Hamas people arrived to the refugee camps, they were welcomed by Hezbollah. Now, Hamas is Sunnites, Hezbollah is Shiites. Right. And yet, Hezbollah welcomed them. They gave them flowers and rice and started teaching them how to fight back. And not, you know, throwing stones or, or stabbing with knives uh, or throw even models uh, of cocktail bottles, all that they already knew. They teach them how to become suicide bombers. Wow. They teach them what Hezbollah learned in the Iran-Iraq war, where, um, where the kids in the Iranian government were sent 
to, uh, to uh, clear the minefield in the borders. And the Iranian government said to the kids, you're going to go and whoever gets blown up from the minds of the infidel planters will get a reward, will get to go to paradise, and 72 beautiful virgins will be waiting for them there. They even provided them with a plastic key, the key to paradise. Hezbollah told this, the Hamas people, and the Hamas people, after two years, went back to Israel, got a permission to enter Israel, and they were the one who started the Intifada. They were the one who blew up our buses. They are the one who became suicide bombers and killed hundreds of Israelis. Wow, wow. You know, it's amazing, amazing, amazing what you're saying. Uh, because I talk to scholars, even scholars here in Israel, scholars. Well, I don't have too much respect for scholars anymore because education is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when justifying, these are, these are, these are Israelis, Israeli Jews right. that are in Tel Aviv University that I've talked to. And they find every reason to justify Islam in general as someone, a layperson who studied the Quran. It doesn't take much. But thank you so much. You can't, the plethora of information I'm getting here uh, is it's so meaningful to me in the work that I do. It's amazing. Um, now I've got to get my head straight because it's like, it's, it's amazing. So let me ask you, there are, uh, right now you have in Paris, in France, uh, the French president who uh, does is not a friend to BB. And look, I, I, don't, I couldn't imagine the pressure that that guy's under. I, I wish he were more like his brother, Jonathan, but that's another story. And again, I don't talk about domestic politics, but uh, we have this, uh, the, the French are trying to work out this uh, treaty between the Palestinians, and I say that in quotes, uh, and Israel without inviting you. And this mm-hmm. is the same country who just sold a bunch of planes to Iran. Mm-hmm. The French are the biggest hypocrites. I have no respect for the French. I'm speaking for insight to Israel now. They've always been cowards, surrendering to the Germans twice, and the Americans having to get them out of it. And they're only good for wine and cheese, and that's it. But... Uh, what are your thoughts? Like, when you see things like this, not including your country, I mean, how does that, someone who was born and raised here, like... It doesn't offend me. It doesn't offend any Israeli. I'm sure it didn't offend Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu because these countries, if they think that they can negotiate on Israel's future without involving Israel, they must be dreaming. <laughs> And from all countries, to hear it from the French, to hear it from, from a country that cannot protect its own cities, right. that was wiped up from terrorism in the, in the past couple of years, that is under fire, under flame. You know, you know the old joke of, uh, of how many Frenchmen need to uh, save Paris? Nobody knows it had been had never been attempted. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So what, what really friends thinks that they will determine the future of Israel based on what? Based on their belief or what they think and their is, success. <laughs> is, 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 a, is a true uh, way to do it? Let them come here first. Let them live in Zerot yeah. in the time of a war. Let them um, hear the red alert goes off and have 15 seconds to find the shelter. And then let them, you know, let them give uh, Judea and Samaria or the West Bank to the Palestinians or, or find a way to uh, divide the country. It's not that Israel never tried. Israel tried many, many times too often. Um, they offer the Palestinians great deal of, uh, of land and concessions and even touched Jerusalem. It was done by Ehud Barak and maybe others. But if there is no partner in the other side and nobody wants to accept these gestures, you won't be able to enforce peace. And believe me, there is no Israeli who doesn't want peace. Right. Everybody wants and dreams about peace. Right. Everybody has kids who are going to the military. Everybody has brothers. Uh, uncles, fathers who are serving in the military. Nobody wants that. But you have to be realistic. You have to understand that in order to negotiate with someone, you need someone on the other side. And if the someone on the other side wants nothing else but to kill you, and I'm saying it so blandly because you see what incitement they spread over their territories, right. how they teach their children to hate from such a small age, from the kindergarten, uh, how they run their camps, the youth camp, they teach them how to take a rifle and to, and to shoot and to fight Israelis, um, how they don't recognize the right of Israel as a Jewish state. They don't believe that the Jews should have their own state next to them. So their only goal is to create one state, which is a Palestinian state. A Muslim state. A Muslim state. And that's it. So with such type of partner, you cannot really negotiate. Right. And if you withdraw from the territories as... Judea and Samaria. As uh, Judea and Samaria, as, as France wants or the entire world wants, as, because they believe that will solve the conflicts between the Israelis and the Palestinians, that would be a huge mistake because that will be turned, return to Gaza too, to another state governed by a terror organization. Uh, and I'm not sure it's going to be Hamas this time. We know that ISIS is right in the front door. Right. And, and let me say, by adding to that by saying that two things. Number one, uh, the, the State Department has been lying and the, 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 the Obama administration has been lying about the success against us, against ISIS, uh, because in our bombing, we're kind of pinpricking the whole thing. They captured 2,300 heavy armor-plated vehicles in Iraq, and we keep funding the security forces in Iraq with more and more weapons and money, even though they keep losing it. Iraq's basically broke. They've run out of our money. And now we keep giving them more money, trillions of dollars that has been poured into Iraq. And uh, there are some, there is some ground that I know that does, because I've been monitoring this thing. In fact, I, I actually interviewed a young lady who's Israeli, 
uh, who was a combat soldier, and she goes and fights with the Peshmerga and the Yazidis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but uh, with that being said, uh, I have been up over in a point that would be the, the a quote-unquote Palestinian state, if the Palestinian people actually existed. Uh, and all they would have to do, because in this area, planes fly over right. from Ben-Gurion Airport. Right. And it just takes one shoulder-fired missile. Of course. And it will shut down your entire country. Of course, it would be very risky to uh, give this uh, territory to the uh, to, to the to the Palestinians without a great commitment from their side that they are not going to continue to terrorize the country. Okay. Um, and I don't see it happens. No. I don't see it happens for another reasons that look the, the the heart of the dispute, as we said before. Uh, as a religious dispute, is is Harbite, is the is the Temple Mount, is Jerusalem. Nobody is giving up Jerusalem. <laughs> I hope you never give up. The Jews will not give up the Temple Mount, never. And the Palestinians, yes, Arafat already said that the Temple Mount is a waqf. It was a trust given to the Palestinian people to keep, and it's not for him or for anybody to give it up. So that's a major conflict which you will not be able to overcome after dividing the country and after giving them a state and after maybe securing the borders. And it's another thing. They want an airport. Yes. They want a seaport. How Israel will allow that? How will Israel allow them bringing missiles and ammunitions and tanks and by, by allowing them to control the borders? Because right now, all the cargo ships that go yeah, into the Gaza are checked in at the Ashdod port. Right, right, right. The Palestinian Authority borders are actually the Israeli borders, so they control what comes in, what goes out. Once you let them have their own borders, Israel takes this uh, inspection off, and who knows what they will bring in. So right. that's the real risk that Israel is not going to take. So here's a, my next question back on the topic, which all of this runs together. Uh, are you familiar with Richard Heideman? Yes. Okay. I've had Richard on, on the radio show. Mm-hmm. He's a great man. He's amazing. So yeah. in, in some of your cases in winning uh, money... Right. From- he's that, yeah. He says we are partners in some cases and we do uh, common work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with that being said, what, what would you say, What was the what's the biggest judgment you've actually been? Was, was it the Syrian one? I know there's... Um, well, we have lost... We have judgments against Syria... Um, we have judgments against Iran. I think um, they all they all on behalf of one or two families that for uh, uh, concluded by hundreds of millions of dollars. I think the biggest judgment we won so far, which a, the hugest victory, it was the first time an ATA case came to court and went to trial until the end, was the Palestinian case for six hundred fifty-five million dollars <laughs> which the Palestinians I'm telling you right now will have to pay how do you how do you like make these people pay how does that well the Palestinians have assets they have bank accounts in the United States elsewhere which we're going to go after but also the uh, Israeli government collects Palestinian money every month this is the tax money that the Palestinians owe for their 
goods that they're bringing in for VAT that they're supposed to pay. And in the end of each month, Israel transfers them this money, which usually is about hundreds or $120 million a month. So give me... Yes, this is that money that... Uh, $120 million? $120 million. So give me maybe five months like this to collect my judgments. Wow. That's unbelievable. How many families is this dispersed among? This is uh, 10 families. God bless them. Yeah. Do they have to pay taxes on that? <laughs> <laughs> not in Israel and not in the United States. Wow. Compensation. Now, are these Americans and Israelis? Uh, they're all American um, citizens, but some of them live in Israel. Wow. God bless them. That's a lot of money. Uh, but yes. that never replaces. But that's, you know, right, exactly. It never replaces. I mean, um, no money can bring back uh, loss of life, and no money can heal uh, any wounds. Um, but it's a matter of justice. Right. These Absolutely. are compensations that will bring these people and uplift them and will turn them to be. Uh, to have a revenge and not to be victims anymore. How, first of all, in, in these bank accounts, have you ever received any kind of like pushback from the bank in general? Because that, when you take that much money from a bank, that, that hurts them. That hurts, therefore, most of the banks uh, settle the cases. They don't go to trial, and if they do to tr go to trial, they settle before a judgment. Um, it hurts them very much, but it also teaches them a lesson. You know, right. these sort of cases are not only for terror funding, it's also for money laundering. A lot of money goes to the cartels in Mexico. A lot of money kills life. And the banks who are licensed by the United States government have social obligation to the country, to the people, to right. save life and not to be a vehicle to transfer money who intend to wind up in the hands of terror organizations or cartels or any other crime organizations who eventually use it to hurt people. Uh, that's amazing that you say that because Americans don't even realize that the drug cartels in Central, South America, and Mexico are training groups like Al-Qaeda. Right. They do. This is a huge network. That's right. Of, of corruption. That's right. And uh, have you ever received any death threats for what you do? No. No? Okay. I get them all the okay. time. <laughs> I get Muslims. I actually offer them to give them my address. Uh -huh. I will pay for their taxi. Let's meet down on the street and let's finish this thing. You know, I don't believe in talking. I'm not a talker. Uh, I want to get out in the street and fight and let's get bloody because I'm going to win. All right. But uh, so, well, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Uh, so where does it come? How far can you take this? Uh, I stated in the other, in the first segment uh, that... Um, the American government, the State Department, is directly responsible for it. Look, I, I've said it during Sukkotan, 
when I was down on the Gaza border sleeping on the yoga mat, walking from Kibbutz to Mashav six days a week, uh, every time there's a rocket fired, it has the markings of the U.S. taxpayer on it. Am I correct in that? Um, well, not so much because the United States does not give the money to buy munitions. Right, but the right. money that's given to... It comes from China, to... it comes from South Korea, North Korea, it comes from Iran. The uh, missiles, you can see actually the writing of the missiles when they land on the... Yes. But, yes, so, but in order to get those things... They get money from the U.S. government, well, and the don't US, they go and bother? Right. The U.S. government funds the uh, um, usually the charities in uh, in Gaza. Right. Um, some foundations they help to build maybe infrastructure uh, in Gaza. This is mostly done by the EU, not the United States. Okay. United States funding goes mostly to the Palestinian Authority, to the one who's headed by uh, Mahmoud Abbas, and not by Ismail Haniyeh. Okay. Um, but the money's but funneled down, right? Yes, but money is fungible, you know. Right. Like it for one thing and it goes <laughs> another thing. So all I need to say is, and we need to say, is that the United States has to, to be very careful of where its money is going because it's very known that the Palestinians are using some of the money to support the terrorists. They're using some of the money to, in, to increase the incitement against Israel. They use the money to support their prisoners and the suicide bombers. They have to straighten out. They have to clear, clean their acts in order for the United States to keep funding. So in, real, in, in realistic terms, in black and white, the best thing to do is to stop the funding, cut it off, I think. Uh, because these people are wicked, they're evil, they have no good intent. And they're never going to stop fighting against Israel. They cut it off, but then it will be a crisis. I, they can cut it off. I guess then, I'm not a big... But then you, you, you'll still have two million people on one side and million point eight on the other side that have somehow to live. Now, they're not in Mexico that it might fall on the soldier, on the soldiers of the United States. <laughs> they're not in Sweden that it might fall on the neighbors of Sweden. They are here next door in the Middle East. Jordan will not take care of them. Egypt will not take care of them. The whole world will blame Israel right. for what's going on. There. And so it's a no-win situation. No You're just going to have to keep fighting. That's right. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, any last words? Uh, one last question. How far can you take this? Are you? Do you see yourself having the ability to actually sue foreign governments? Yes, we do. We sue right now foreign governments. We sue Iran, Syria, North Korea, those who don't have immunity, um, sovereign immunity. Western governments. Western government, no, because they enjoy sovereign immunity. You cannot sue England in the United States. Simply cannot. Okay. Um, but we, in order to do that, uh, if I use this platform, we would need the those who loves Israel's help to assist us in our war, to join our pages, go on our website, donate money to the coast, help us to fight for Israel. Amen. Amen. Ma'am, I appreciate what you do for your country and for your people. And thank you for this information. It was fantastic. This is Michael Gano. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be back. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. God bless the patriot conservatives who stand for the Judeo-Christian founded Constitution and Bill of Rights. 
And God bless Israel in her fight for sovereignty and security. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.